Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized, if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Podcast. Hi guys. Today we wanted to spend some time talking about anxiety. Neither of us are strangers to the topic, and even as we record today, we still find ourselves needing to lean on coping skills we've learned along the way. If you're anything like us, some days just really bring out those anxious thoughts, and it's never a bad idea to take a step back and remember that there are ways to help yourself through anxiety, whether it's a few anxious moments, or a few months, or even a few years. Honestly, I don't even remember a time when I wasn't anxious. I've always been that type A perfectionist, firstborn personality, and that just kind of comes with the territory. And, I mean, I could even argue that I'm a little bit anal at some point. (laughs) No, (laughs) not you. (laughs) No. (laughs) And so when I experience anxiety, it's really because I'm fearing that things might not be perfect or I might not get everything done that I believe that I should be able to get done. And I think Brandon would probably agree at this point that I have made huge strides over the years. And that's because the things that used to just spiral me into crazy anxiety, a lot of times now I can actually brush them off, or at least to some degree I can. And I'd like to say that some of that is because I worked hard on it, but honestly I know some of my progress is because Brandon has rubbed off on me a little (laughs) bit. (laughs) And now I do hopefully have a much more go-with-the-flow personality. Yeah, it's amazing as I hear you talk about that because, like, for me, I never really understood, like, what anxiety really even meant. Obviously, I had my day-to-day anxiety, but, like, when I used to see you kind of go into uh, your experiences, (laughs) maybe that's the best way to put it, I didn't really understand, like, why you couldn't just brush something off, why you couldn't just let something go. And so you can say like that I did help. And I, and I do believe that like I have rubbed off on you. My personality's rubbed off on you. But in a way, I guess I didn't even really understand that my personality was different than yours. That I didn't understand that like I was doing things that were helping to cope, which we'll talk about some of those things in this episode. But that I was just naturally doing those things where maybe you weren't so in tune with the fact that you could do those things. I think it'd be really cool. I mean, if you're open to it, just to talk about like some of the, some of your journey, I guess, with this idea of anxiety. I mean, I know you were talking about being like a type A perfectionist and as now a father of a uh, firstborn daughter who's uh, (laughs) six and certainly seems to be following in mommy's footsteps. Sorry, Meg, but uh, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to know like the journey of what brought you to this place? Because I know it's something you've struggled with for a long time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I said, as far as, as far back as I can even remember, this has been a thing for me in elementary school. I actually remember being sick a lot of the times. Like I remember going to the office with stomach aches, headaches, uh, leg cramps, which actually I still experience all those things a lot today. But I remember going to the office and them taking my temperature like, hey, you're fine. And I remember 
I mean, God bless my parents because, oh my goodness, I cannot imagine how many times the office had to have called them about my various aches, pains, and complaints. And looking back now, it's very easy for me to see that that was all just anxiety. And if, if maybe I was depressed at that age, I don't really know, but certainly I was anxious. And over the years, I've really discovered that my body tends to manifest physically very early on. So I can almost feel it physically before I'm even aware of it mentally that it's happening. And to have that experience and be this far, these many years after that, and still know that that's part of me is just really crazy. So, you know, through the years, I remember two specific events where I definitely had a full-blown panic attack. But other than those two moments, I think it's just more of a generalized anxiety that I feel the need to be perfect, like I said, but also just that Sometimes the unexpected can throw me or just this feeling of overall, even excitement can sometimes be something that will throw me into anxiety when it's, when it's good, when I'm happy about something still it's, it's anxiety for me. Like if we do a really big interview on this podcast, even I will feel so anxious, even though I'm pumped to do it, I'm so ready to do it, but I will just feel it very, very deeply. And for many days or hours beforehand. Yeah, it's interesting. You said that, that even from like a young age that you felt that. And again, that just like, wasn't my experience. I think more as I've like come into adulthood, I've realized that that's there. And I started to identify, and I, I heard you talk about specific situations. Like you said, doing a big interview, you know, you name it. There's certain times, there's certain things that can cause anxiety. And we all kind of know what those things are and they might be different for all of us. I mean, like, I know if I'm excited about something, I can definitely have that anxiety. I also know that there's just certain times where I just feel off. Like it just, something isn't right. And I never used to identify it as anxiety. I just thought, well, I'm just having an off day. I would say something like that. And some of you out there might've similarly said the same thing, but if you really think about it and kind of put your finger on what that is, typically it's anxiety. You're, you're either worrying about something in the future. You're thinking about something in the past. You're excited about something that you need to do. You have a lot of things going on in your mind that you need to do. And hence they're weighing you down. Do you find for you though, that like, cause I, I, I know my answer, but do you find for you that like, there's certain things that trigger your anxiety? Because a lot of times it's like identifying one of the first steps is just identifying, Hey, when is this happening? Because like, for me, that was really helpful to say, Hey, it's happening here. So then I can kind of almost proactively know it's coming, even though it's not going to stop and then try to fix it from there. Yeah. Well, before I even answer your question, B, I want to just say that when you were talking, it just, I remembered this, that I'm going to share it because something you said just made me think like, oh my gosh, you know, one of the symptoms of my anxiety is yelling, specifically yelling at our kids. So the more anxious and upset I am in general, the more I see that playing out as a parent. And somehow I'm able to control it maybe a little bit more with you, maybe not, maybe you would argue against that. But I do definitely notice that was an early symptom for me currently is just in a just drastic decrease in how I'm able to parent our children. But Remind me of the question again. <laughs> <laughs> the triggers. Like, is there certain things that okay. you find that trigger? Because like for me, for example, like, I don't know why. I mean, I guess I do know why, but like on like Mondays, I just have a, a way worse time and it's every week. And it, we all have that Monday feeling, don't we? Like mm -hmm. the Monday blues, whatever you want to call it, whatever name you want to put to it. But I find for me, like, I just know coming into Monday, 
I have so many things on my plate. I have so many things on my mind of things that I want to do. And naturally, like Monday just has a feeling, doesn't it? Like, it's Mm -hmm. just like something where it's like, it's a fresh week. It's a new start. And, and you should really be excited about that. And then in a lot of ways I am, but that excitement can turn to a fear, a tension, a stress, because I know I have so many more things to do. So like by identifying that it's going to happen on like a Monday, for example, then I can kind of be more proactive. But like, are there situations like for you that that happens? And then I want our audience to kind of think about what situations as you're talking are their triggers. Like what are things that they find more likely that anxiety is going to bear itself to it? Yeah. I think anytime there's a challenge at work is a big cause for me. Definitely anytime we are trying to hire somebody here. So anytime we're trying to do any of that, it definitely increases my anxiety because there's thoughts like, will I pick the right person? Am I saying the right things? All those things just come into play, I think, naturally. Even just sometimes as a as a manager, I feel, you know, if I have to have a tough conversation, that can be anxiety-inducing too. Other things would be if we're struggling in our relationship a little bit, there are times when that just, I don't even know what's happening really until all of a sudden I realize, oh my gosh, like this is absolutely why it's happening because something feels off and we haven't really addressed it yet. We need to talk about this so that I can calm back down. And so when we have those little, just those little moments in life where things feel weird and we haven't quite gotten to, around to talking to it, that's when I pause and I'm like, hey, we got we to gotta figure out what's happening right now because this is freaking me out. And then obviously parenthood is another big one for me where if the kids need to get ready in the morning and they will not listen. I, my anxiety goes through the roof. Um, less so at night because, you know, if it's just bedtime that we're late for, okay. I mean, it's still irritating because I want my time, but there's no work. There's no school. There's no pressure of those kind of things to start the day. And that's where I really tend to feel it, especially in the parenting aspect. Yeah. I love, I love that you've touched on that too, because like for, for us, I know that like, there's certain things or certain times or certain triggers that may allow like the anxiety to happen. But also like, I think we need to kind of touch on the fact that like it, it, it's, there's such a wide spectrum of what it could be because like for our listeners out there, they might be in the place where I was where it's like, well, I'm not anxious. You know, I, I definitely have this or that going on. And then there's some people that might be listening that have full on panic attacks. Like you said, have happened to you multiple times. And it's just amazing. Like how, up and down you can go with this thing called anxiety. Like we, this is like a very all encompassing episode because you're like, it just could be so many different things. Like some people could literally be crippled or paralyzed. And some people are just having the worries of day to day. Mm -hmm. But I think we both know that those worries of day to day can become much bigger issues if they're not identified and fixed, which is why I'm really glad we're having this conversation. But I did want to get into some of the things that we do then now that we've kind of identified with anxiety, like what, what it could be and what it means for us. And I hope some of you are taking notes on about what it means for you, but really I want to talk about some of the things that we do that we find helpful, that we hope you guys can incorporate in your lives and hopefully see a big improvement. And the first one that we've found is really drawing from past experience. For us, both of us actually use this strategy quite frequently, and that's just when, you know, you need to start picturing a time when you did feel this way before. Conjure that up in your mind when you felt this exact same panic, this exact same level of just ickiness inside and confusion on what to do next, and take that experience and remember that you made it through that. 
Like you're on the other side of that. So you can use that experience to help yourself through this current experience. And I know that you made it through because you're listening to this podcast today. So you have absolutely come out the other side of whatever past experience you're able to draw on currently in your right now moment of anxiety. So I, for me, I often find myself thinking or coaching myself and I'm saying, yep, you're definitely feeling anxious right now, but don't forget that you have made it through. You have made it through a panic attacks before. You have made it through really hard times. You have made it through marital stress and job stress and family stress and all these things. And look at you now. And that really helps me kind of center myself again and say, yes, I am having a tough moment right now. I do feel anxious, but. Yeah. And I think at that point too, it's the inner voice comes in too, because in those moments for me, when I'm anxious, there's also usually some insecurity with it. Mm -hmm. And so I'll be like, not only am I feeling bad that I'm feeling bad, like I'm feeling bad that I'm anxious. I also like have that inner voice telling me all the lies of like why I can't do it, why I can't do this thing. And so it, really what you were saying about like identifying a time where that has happened to you and then understanding that your worst case scenario that you're conjuring up in your mind didn't happen then and it probably isn't going to happen now and it probably won't happen in the future. But I pull even from cases where it wasn't even times where I was like having anxiety. Like you can use that and that's a really good tool. But I just think of times where I've done things that are just harder, mm -hmm. like just difficult things in life. Like I like I've run a half marathon, for example. That's a really challenging thing. So if I can't make a difficult phone call or have a difficult conversation, but I could run a half marathon, like it's like it's com it's comparing those things and being like, if I could do this then I can certainly do that. And, and it's really drawing from your own strength because we're all much stronger than we want to believe. And if you think about these times in your head, and I hope you're cataloging them, you can pull from them all day long. And that's what I do. In these moments where it just seems too tough or it seems too difficult and it seems like I can't go on, I draw from these past experiences and then I just take one step and another and another. And eventually I'm on the other side. Like Meg said, you're here, you're listening to this. You're more powerful than you want to give yourself credit for. Absolutely. Preach it, brother. <laughs> Another thing that we use is making a list. And it sounds so easy and it sounds so obvious. But <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it works. And I want, to, I want to talk about that a little bit more in detail because list making, at least for me, can be kind of risky business. Because here's what I used to do. I used to write down three pages of whatever I could think of that had to be done. And of course, a three-page list or a 15-item list is not going to be helpful because that, of course, is going to increase your anxiety, not help you manage your anxiety because all you're going to do is focus on the 27 things or the three pages that you can't get done rather than the two or three things that you can get done. So over many, many years, I have refined my list making. And now I understand that my list making should not be a detailed list of everything in my life that I want to get done in the next seven years, it needs to be some things that I need to concentrate on right here and right now. So my lists right now tend to be two to five things rather than so many things that I just get freaked out more. Yeah. And I know you're really big at the list because you love crossing the things off the list. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> so with the list, I, I'm just curious, do you, I know you said you broke it down to like five different things. Do you then like have a this is a must-do list. This is a, if I somehow get done with these things, then I can do this. And then this is, 
for the future things that I need to remember that I need to do? Like, are there different varieties of lists or is there, cause, cause I know the problem can be when you get into this one big comprehensive list and we've all been there, I think you can get overwhelmed by the list itself. So like, do you find yourself breaking it down into separate lists that maybe you put in separate places so you're not looking at them all at the same time? So I'll give you I'll give you an example of kind of how we're doing our life. And I know you don't even sample, you're living it with me, but for yes, our I listeners, <laughs> I think this is probably a good example of it. So for this podcast, obviously there's things that have to get done. For our Instagram, there's things that have to get done. All these different areas of what we're doing has things to do. But rather than writing it down on a big list where 27 things need to get done today or this week, we instead break it down into days. So we will go through our week on a Sunday or sometimes a Monday morning and say, okay, for Monday, this is what we've got going on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so each of those lists has three things on it, even though it's actually a much bigger list. But when you break it down into those bite-sized chunks, you don't feel so overwhelmed about what has to get done. Suddenly that week-long list of items becomes very, very manageable. Yeah. And I think next, the the thing that I do that literally cures my anxiety pretty much every time and twice on Sunday <laughs> is going out for a walk, going out for a run, just getting outside. So often you can get stuck in a box and you can get stuck in your thinking and you can get stuck in these lists that we're talking about, or you can just get stuck in whatever experience that you tend to be dealing with. Maybe you had a stressful day at work. Maybe you had a fight with your spouse. Maybe your kids are driving you crazy. Sometimes you need to remove yourself from that situation to free your mind of that situation. Not that it goes away, not that you're ignoring it, not that you'll forget it, but a lot of times there's a certain clarity in the fact that you're getting out and removing yourself from the situation and then going for a walk, going for a run and just getting outside. Obviously, if you know Megan and me for a while, we love running. It is our love language. We love to go out and run. It frees our minds more than anything else. But some of you might not run. Some of you might have a relationship with fitness that we don't need to talk about right now. But that doesn't mean you can't get outside. That doesn't mean even if you're not going to get outside that you can't just change locations of where you are. Because we're very habitual people, so we get stuck in the same routines, we get stuck in the same cycle. And that can be a really good thing, but it can also be a really bad thing if you're trying to think in a new way and to think outside the box. And a lot of times when you get stuck in these places or you get stuck in this anxiety, it can feel really heavy. But if you get out there and change your environment, a lot of times you can change your mind and think about things in a brand new way. I love that. Yes, we both definitely rely on the running and... Most of the time, we can even sense when the other needs to go on a run desperately in order to come back as a better person. (laughs) And it works. 20, 30 minutes later, we are better people. The next thing is just to create. And that can be so many things for so many people. I would say that writing, drawing, painting, creating music, journaling, all these things, however you like to create, that's what you should do in those moments of anxiety. I mean, honestly, there are times when I think coloring with my daughter is quite therapeutic. Like, It doesn't even matter what it is, as long as it's something that helps you relax. Because you're tapped into that creative side, it's actually way harder to hold on to that stress. Yeah. And really, like Meg said, you got you to just find what works for you. And this might take some iterations. You might have to try something and then that doesn't work. Then you could try something else. It's really just like playing with it a little bit and seeing what works best for you. 
As for me, I love to do anything, like Meg said, to create something new, to challenge my mind. And I also love to read. But some of you might not want to read. Maybe reading causes you stress. Maybe that's not for you. But you just got to find what your thing is. And really, it's about just changing like your mind and where your mindset is. It's, it's trying to extend yourself out from your current circumstance and again, I preface not ignoring that circumstance, but like allowing you to look at it in a new way. And maybe one of the most important parts of this whole episode is this last really important thing that we want to talk about today. And that is taking a break. When you're anxious, hit the pause button. And you need to do that for a few reasons. The first one is to check in with yourself about why you feel stressed and that you deserve rest. You have to remember that you deserve this break. And the other one is that you should be enjoying and living your life. So refocus on that during this break, during this pause in your life where you can stop feeling the anxiety, let go of the to-do list, let go of all the things that you know are causing you to feel this high level of stress and just take a break, take a step back. You're allowed to pause in life. Yeah, and it's like you're calling me out when you say that. Like, I know you're not, but like, I, I'm, I'm convicted in my heart when you say that, because I, this is, this is my thing. Like, I can't take a break when I get focused on something, when we get focused on something that we want to do for our company, for our things that we want to give to you as an audience out there, like I get so laser focused on it that I don't want to take a break. And I get to a place where even when I do take a break, I feel bad. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel guilty. I feel guilty. Like, man, I just took, I just took 30 minutes to do nothing or 30 minutes to read a book for leisure. And I could have been working on this for 30 minutes. Or if you've listened to us before, you know, me and Megan have a firm cutoff time. We cut off at nine to nine fifteen every night and we do not do any work beyond that point. I feel bad that sometimes after that, because I'm like, we should still be doing something. We could still be working. We should still be doing this. But I would argue with myself and I would argue with you if you find yourself in the same place, you're just simply not being productive after a certain point. And if you're so stressed and so worried and so like worn down, what's going to be the fruit of that? Certainly there's times you need to push through. Certainly there's times where you need to do what you need to do. And obviously this break isn't for a huge extended time, but understand and take the pulse of yourself and know that. There are certain times where you do just need to lay back and guess what? The world's going to keep spinning and life is going to go on and you're going to feel much better and much more refreshed and renewed if you do that rather than burying yourself deeper and deeper into this pile of things for some guilt that you're building up in your own mind. And listen, if you have trouble doing this yourself, like Brandon was just saying that he does, well, I do too. And you're not alone if that's how you function too. So maybe call on someone, maybe call on someone who will help you rest. For example, last Saturday was not my banner day. For some reason, I woke up and I was just stressed beyond belief. I just was not right. I felt so incredibly anxious. I was upset about everything and nothing all at the same time. I can't even really tell you what was wrong, even if I wanted to. I just didn't feel good. And despite the fact that there were 9,000 things that I could have been doing, Brandon was like, no, you will not do those things. You're going to go on your run because that's going to be good for you. But at the kids' nap time, at the kids' quiet time, you are sitting outside with your lawn chair, a good book, 
and some water and you are resting. You are not going to do housework. You are not going to work on the podcast. You are not going to work on your blog. You are not going to do any of it. You are going to simply relax and enjoy your life. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the birds chirping. Do what you need to do. And let me tell you, those two hours that I got to myself where no one bothered me, no one came around except Brandon to make sure I had enough water with me, they were like life-giving. When I got done with those couple hours, I the rest of my weekend was great. There was nothing else I needed to do. It was just allowing that time for myself and, and knowing that it was okay and having somebody else say, hey, Meg, reminder, it is okay to take a, a two hours off. It is okay to sit and do nothing at your own house for two hours. That's allowed. And that was just really a reminder that I should probably be doing that way more often. Yeah. And, and as you're saying that, I mean, you fought that to the death. Like I said it many times and finally, like, I mean, I'm obviously it wasn't any kind of crazy thing where I was literally forcing you, but like I was, I just was kept trying to give you the permission to relax, Mm -hmm. to give you the permission to be okay. Because some of you might be sitting there and maybe you're not feeling anxious, but you know, a partner who is, or a friend who is sometimes they just need the permission to like one, have those feelings and two, to like be able to relax Because in our minds, we can build things up and in our minds, we can push ourselves. But sometimes you need another person who's an outside source looking in and saying, hey, I see that you need this. Because like Megan said, she could have just continued to work. But would that really have been productive work? And instead, she came out of it as a completely new person. I mean, in in that moment, in that weekend, she came in as a completely new person because she took what I was saying to heart and she actually practiced it. And so this we're living this stuff y'all we are like this is we're living right there with you we understand the daily stresses we understand and trust me life is not perfect it's not perfect for us it's not we would never want to give you the idea that it is we don't have it all figured out but neither do y'all and we're here learning together and so make sure that you're trying to practice some of these things and just a real quick note before we wrap this totally up We did share a bit more about our own struggles in episode 37 of our podcast. And in that episode, we talk about how to help a partner through anxiety and depression. So if you are looking for more on this topic, be sure to check out that episode. Absolutely. And as always, y'all, hit us up on the DM. Instagram is literally our favorite place to hang out. We love connecting with y'all. We love answering your questions. We love just giving you support. We love being there for you. We'll do anything for y'all. I hope you know it. Hit us up on the DM and we will definitely get back to you no matter what. That is a promise from us. We love y'all and take care. See you next week. Hey B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love Podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear.